Marble Machine. Hello, listeners. The Marble Machine has arranged for Tim and me to attend a special meeting. It wants to tell us an important message, and we're currently both sitting before it, touching its belly with our hands, as it instructed us to do. I'm so excited. What could this important news be, listeners? Could we get promoted? Are we going to be the machine's heralds? And could this be the beginning of a new era for mankind? Will the marble machine reveal its plan on how to make the world a better place? And could Tim and I be the first lucky fellows to hear it? I don't know. But one thing is for sure. You, dear listeners, will be the first to know as soon as the machine has spoken to us. Oh, sure, Tim. Uh, Tim says he would like to repeat a word from the last episode uh, that he wants to teach you, listeners, so you will understand it whenever he says it to me. <clears throat> what is it, Tim? That means shut up, listeners. That means yes, shut up. Ah, okay, okay, I get it. Can't one get a little excited? So how exactly is this going to work, Tim? Normally it's just you that communicates directly with the machine. It will let me hear its message as long as I keep touching it. Okay. What? That was the message? That was the reason we had to meet in the middle of a sunny day? I cancelled plans for a picnic in the park just to... Listeners, I don't even know if I want to tell you this, but I'm loyal when it comes to you, so I will. The marble machine just told me that it only likes my voice, not my character or personality, and that it thinks that I'm quite an annoying type of human. That's why it chose Tim as a telepathic buddy. He's just more likable, the marble machine says. Listeners, I quit. I am packing my things as I speak, and I will be leaving the attic. I don't have to take this bully behavior from anyone or anything, especially not from a stupid old glowing... What? A joke? What do you mean, a joke? I don't get it. You mean the machine doesn't just use me for my voice? It likes me? And it was just in the mood for a bad joke? It says it's sorry? What's that sound? Is the machine okay? Uh-huh. Apparently the machine is laughing at its own joke. For a very long time. A little too long, if you ask me, listeners. It really wasn't that funny. But it apologized, and that's all that matters. Even if it thinks it's funny to have me thinking that it doesn't like me, not that I would care, well, maybe I am a little relieved that it didn't mean what it said. Look, I can't lie. I like the fact that I'm friends with an ancient machine that filters ideas out of space and time, spreads them across the world to, 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 well, I still don't exactly know why, but it tells all these cool stories as a side effect. Who wouldn't think that's cool? Oh, okay. Now we're talking. Tim says there's a real reason for us being here today. Then I should touch it again? Okay. Let's do this. No jokes this time. Okay, now this is big news. The marble machine just told Tim and me that it not only spreads ideas, 
but that it can hear every single thought of every human in the whole world at all times. The thoughts run through one of two filter tubes. The other filter tube is connected to the raw matter of creation. I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, but basically it can access every atom and non-atom, matter and dark matter particle that ever existed. From these particles of creation and the thoughts of all humans, it creates ideas that just randomly pop up in its close surrounding, which would be the attic, I guess. Yeah. And this process is the reason for its glowing. The machine then decides which ideas to throw out into the world. By doing this, it helps keep the universe in balance and it needs us to feed it those ideas. It has always needed human help ever since it existed in this form. And today's meeting was for the sole purpose of letting Tim and me know how we are also important for the balance of the universe and that the machine is glad to have us. Wow. Well, we sure are glad to have you, Marble Machine. There's a second part of the message you say, Tim? Well, let's hear it. Um, the machine thanks us for putting our lives at risk because even if they haven't yet, Things can get dangerous in a place like the attic. Finally, it wants us to know that there's a secret about Mr. Pitterit that it can't tell us, but that we should try and talk to him about it. Tim says now it's time for the next story. Okay, well, I must say I am a bit nervous about the whole putting our lives at risk part. But thank you again, Marble Machine, for your trust and for everything. The Wild Hunt Written and narrated by Jacob Graff Recorded and edited by Tim Höfer The office door blew out of its hinges as Alpha slammed against it, shoulder first. Two men followed him and dropped on all fours as they entered the room. They were not built as strong as Alpha, but no less fierce in their appearance. Keeping their lean and slender bodies crouched low to the floor, they started sniffing the carpet and the walls. Alpha stood upright and growled as the other two tried to move past him. Obeying Alpha as their leader was one of the few things they could still control. Six more men entered through the broken door. But Alpha didn't have to wait for the pack to be complete. They would follow him everywhere. He led the way into the next office. To whom these rooms belonged was of no importance. Only instinct mattered. The energy was tense, as it always was before the hunt. It was the quiet before the storm, before they would let go of reason and become wild. Rita, the man right behind Alpha, jumped onto a desk and marked the territory by urinating on a computer. Alpha didn't fail to recognize the challenge. Chuckles arose from the pack, and some cheered Beta on as he stood upright on the desk, beating his chest. Alpha leaped across the desk, grabbed Beta's legs, and crushed him into the ground. Beta immediately acknowledged his leader. He stayed down with his head bent low to signal that he was the inferior. 
Alpha growled. No one began the wild hunt but him, and no one ended it but him. Common sense told him that he should call off the hunt, but he cast the thought away with a snarl. There was no place for common sense in the next quarter of an hour. Alpha picked up the computer and heaved it over his head. This was the moment the pack had been waiting for. He flung it through the window, breaking the glass, and sent it flying down five stories before it hit the street. Let the hunt begin, Alpha called. It would only last 15 minutes, but in these 15 minutes everything was possible. Alpha kept an eye on Beta as the pack started to rampage. The three-room office was their playground for tonight. Like rabid monkeys, the nine men started to destroy the interior. A pattern was beginning to show. Every new hunt since their first gathering had overshadowed the previous one in intensity. Two months ago, they had set a small grocery shop on fire. And last month, their tenth member had broken his leg after attacking a moving car. Luckily, the driver had fled the scene as he saw the pack of savage men moving toward him with crazed looks on their faces. Alpha smashed a chair against the wall. Beta swung at the ceiling light with a metal pole that he had ripped out of a floor lamp. Tonight, everyone in the pack was in the state they called Royal Wild. Everyone but Alpha. For Alpha, this hunt was different. A part of him didn't fully zone out. If Beta sensed it, he would surely challenge him. Attacks within the pack were not uncommon. They had inflicted injuries upon each other before. If a weakness was sensed, it was exploited. Everyone wanted to move up in rank. In his peripheral vision, Alpha noticed a door move. It closed, and a key turned in the lock. He wondered if anyone but him had seen or heard it. No one from the pack had left the room. Someone else was in the other office. Beta stomped the locked door and blew it out of its hinges. Two pack members rushed in after him. The man in the suit felt a cold heat take over his body. It was the first time he had ever experienced the fear of death. Just a moment ago, he had heard burglars break into the office. The last rational thought that had gone through his mind was asking himself why he had decided to come back to the office in the middle of the night. He would never remember. Before he could scream or try to stop the attackers, Beta ran into the man's side and knocked him into the wall. Ribs cracked as Beta ripped into his body with his fists. Jota was the next to reach the victim. He went straight for the man's throat. Let the hunt end! Alpha shouted just a little too late. Beta had the victim in a chokehold and ran his head against the wall. A blotch of blood appeared as the man in the suit sunk to the ground. Beta turned to Alpha and grunted. His instincts signaled that Alpha was not in Royal Wild. Every cell in his body screamed that this was his chance. If he defeated him tonight, he would be the new Alpha. Alpha's real name was Dr. Thomas Morris. He was a 40-year-old clinical psychologist and had been a martial arts practitioner since his early teens. A few years ago, he had developed a training method that involved mimicking the natural movement of animals. Unexpectedly, this method turned into much more than just a challenging workout. Apart from the movement and workout aspects, Dr. Morris also mimicked the mindset of animals, especially of predators while hunting. Through a special form of self-inflicted hypnosis, he was able to attain a trance-like state. 
The deeper he went into it, the more it freed his mind from distractions and led him to experience flow states that soon resulted in unusual physical performances. By becoming one with the animal, Dr. Morris was able to tap into the raw power that all humans possess, but that is only set free when facing a life-or-death situation. The point came when Dr. Morris had developed and improved his method to perfection and decided to teach others. Quickly realizing that only few could push themselves as far as he had, Dr. Morris selected his most talented scholars and taught them to reach what he had named the Royal Wild. Rules were set up and the pack was created. Dr. Morris named himself Alpha and his master student Beta. In order of their ability, the others were given their names according to the Greek alphabet. As the group started to experience the instinct-driven flow states, Dr. Morris went a step further and organized special monthly gatherings to which only those who had achieved Royal Wild could attend. Royal Wild was a highly addictive experience in which Alpha and his scholars were in a constant state of awareness and peak physical performance. It made them hear better, see better, and more focused. The only setback was that it put the voice of reason and other human attributes like morality on a timeout. The first gatherings took place in Alpha's garage, but soon the pack felt the urge to break free. They met in the clearing of a nearby forest on the outskirts of the city. This worked until the pack felt that the forest too was a chosen distraction to keep them from the city. The next step was to meet in selected public places that they would raid at night. A new place was chosen for every new gathering and Alpha made sure in advance that there were no humans in the area. The less likely they were to run into anyone, the safer the outcome. Minimizing the risks had always been of key importance to Dr. Morris and he always calculated and planned the gatherings with utmost care. But somehow, the wild hunt had developed a momentum of its own and constantly asked for them to take more risks. The new moon was but a slender crescent in the sky. Usually, Alpha would have considered this a good sign. The phases of the moon seemed to influence the royal wild. Gatherings had always been more powerful during a full moon. But tonight, they had crossed a line that Alpha had never thought they would ever be capable of crossing. Beta had always been the most erratic of the pack. He was the reason Alpha couldn't call off the gatherings. He had thought about it more than once. But the wild hunt and the gatherings would not have ended if he quit. They would have just been organized by the next in line. And with someone like Beta in charge, God only knew what would have happened. When did it all get out of hand? Alpha thought. When had they passed the point of no return? No one talked about it. But the question of what would happen if they stumbled upon another human during the hunt was always in the back of their minds. Now they knew the answer. The man in the suit was dead. Beta had tasted blood, and he charged Alpha with a ferocity unseen in any previous hunt. Dr. Morris had prepared for this worst-case scenario. He abandoned everything that made him Alpha and felt for the strap around his back where he kept the glass vial filled with a narcotic agent that would incapacitate any man within seconds after contact with any mucous membrane. He lifted his shirt, grabbed the vial just before he felt the impact as Beta thrust himself against him with full speed. Somewhere between amazement and terror, Dr. Morris realized just how inhuman they had become. Beta's speed was incredible. Before he could react, teeth ripped into Dr. Morris's throat and ripped open his main artery. In a last effort, he broke the vial against the mouth of the predator that was upon him. 
the rest of the pack came to their senses and either stood still in shock or fled the scene. Dr. Morris sighed. All this lost potential. All the insights and benefits humanity might have attained from studying the phenomenon he had unleashed, gone down the drain. If only he hadn't taken it into his own hands, but let scientists study the royal wild in a laboratory. What a pity, Dr. Morris thought before he bled out. He was, after all, a scientist. Welcome back, listeners. I'm still very excited about what the machine told us, and I will try and talk to Mr. Pidrit as soon as possible, and will of course keep you all updated if I find out anything new. I almost feel like a detective now. Thanks for listening, and a big thank you for everyone who is already a patron. If you are also interested in supporting the podcast, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash themarblemachine and become a patron. Support us with whatever you can give. And be sure to check out our website for behind-the-scenes material and more Marble Machine secrets. Hear you soon and be on the lookout, for the next marble will drop. <laughs> <laughs>